0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 67 of the Real Food Mamas podcast. I'm Aglae Jacob, a Real Food Registered Dietitian and mom, and I'm also the author of the book and cookbook, Digestive Health with Real Food. I recently put together a very cool free mini course called Get to the Root of Your Symptoms. And in this mini course, I talk about the importance of going to the root of your symptoms, which I'm sure you're all uh, familiar with uh, in in many ways. And you know that the conventional approaches are mostly putting band-aids on the symptoms. So we really want to go... And dig deeper to find those roots, uh, that I call the roots of our health. And that includes your body, your mind, your heart and your soul. So in this mini course, I go over the five most common toxins contaminating the roots of your health and how you can replace them with nutrients, uh, that will nourish your roots. So you can grow them, strengthen them, uh, and, you know, get unstuck on your healing journey. And the goal of it all is really so that you can move forward on your healing journey, are able to flourish, uh, feel better than you've had in a long time, and feel like yourself because that's what a lot of people I work with, like they don't feel like themselves and they feel like their life is on pause. So uh, you should uh, really check out this free mini course. It includes five classes. You can head over to radicatanutrition.com slash symptoms with an S to, 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 to watch the classes. And today, um, it's my favorite a QA episode with Steph. I'm here with uh, my amazing co host, Stephanie Granke. Steph is a registered dietitian and mom, as well as an expert helping women balance their hormones naturally. And she's passionate about everything related to fertility pregnancy the postpartum period and babies you can find more about her and her services at rockyourhormones.com and check out her program healthy mama happy baby which is a virtual pregnancy handbook she created with the co-creator of whole 30 melissa hartwig and make sure you follow her on instagram at rock your hormones and also at whole 30 hmhb for healthy mama happy baby so her, our, our goal today, and all those links will be in the show notes too, our goal today is to answer two of your questions. Uh, but as always, before we jump, it, jump in, we'll uh, share a few updates. So hi, Stephanie. Good morning. How
1: are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. There's lots of things going on here, lots of fun, exciting projects. I am working on a photo food logging service, which has been mm. really fun. I've been working with... Um, moms and and women that are trying to conceive and even people beyond or way before that period of time in their life have that accountability and support when it comes to their food choices this service isn't about counting their calories or making sure they're perfect it's just bringing awareness around mm-hmm. their food choices and making sure they have balanced meals and trying to incorporate some more nutrient dense meals or foods into their diet so for example if I see somebody constantly having, eggs, and spinach for breakfast, that's fantastic, but how about we add some sauerkraut there, or let's try maybe switching the protein or changing spinach to kale or Swiss chard, so encouraging them to go beyond what their comfort zone is. So that's been really fun. I've also teamed up with another RD, Jessica Call, to do a baby-led weaning webinar. So this is going to be about a one-hour free webinar on baby led weaning. It's available to the first 100 people that sign up for free. They can go live on the call and then everybody else past that 100 initial um, people that sign up will get the free recording. And that's going to be on August 17th at 11 a.m. Pacific time. And if you want to register for that, head over to rockyourhormones.com BLW for baby led weaning. And for That's our, exciting. yeah, <laughs> I think that'll be a lot of fun. We're going to share what baby led weaning is, some of the common concerns and myths regarding it, and definitely tons of application pieces to help moms that are a little bit nervous about it or don't know where to start figure it out. And Jessica Cole was on our
0: on, on one of our um, previous podcast episodes to talk about that topic too.
1: So this she knows what she ta- she's talking about. <laughs> yeah, and she's got a fantastic online three-hour baby-led weeding program that I know you've seen and you give Mm -hmm. your stamp of approval of. So we'll be talking about her program on the the webinar. Cool. And then for Healthy Mom, Happy Baby, we're working on lots of fun, exciting new updates to the program. Uh, It's been around for Coming on two years now, and we oh, wanted wow. to... Oh, yeah. that time
0: goes so fast. <laughs> it does,
1: yeah. So we wanted to upgrade that. We're constantly adding new research and information, but we're adding a few other bonus pieces to the program. So that's a lot of fun. And with all of this, I'm just, you know, trying to find the balance between me having increased energy now that I'm sleeping better and I'm really working on diet changes that have helped me with increased energy. So I have all this energy and productivity, but I want to make sure that I prevent overload because I can tend to do that. Once I start feeling good and I get into that go, go, go mode, it's hard to slow me down. So I'm trying (laughs) to listen to my body and trying to not to take on too much at one time. Oh yeah, yeah, I hear you.
0: It's it's both good and bad because uh, yeah, then we we have to know where our limits are and make sure we don't uh, we don't uh, give too much and still still have something to give to ourselves. So I'm glad you're doing that. You're so wise. Oh,
1: thank you. It's taken a lot of trial and error and mistakes <laughs> to figure that out. And how about you? What's going on on, on your end?
0: Yeah, things are going uh, great. Um I've been wanting to have um l- like uh, group programs not, you know, something ongoing, but uh short shorter group programs for a long time uh because I, I mostly work one-on-one with my clients. But I really like also having small groups because there's just like that that feeling of community and that whole dynamic that I think is is so helpful in helping people see that they're not alone with their own struggles and we can share ideas. And there's just kind of something magical that happens. So I've been wanting to do that for a long time. And following the, the free minute course that I talked about in the intro, uh, Get to the Root of Your Symptom, I created a, a six-week live group program so, it's not a program that you can do like on your own. It's, it's, it's live and there are uh, weekly um, group calls uh, where people can participate and have individual intentions. So, it's called Nourish Your Roots and we talk about uh, the four different roots that I consider are the roots of our health, uh, the body, mind, heart and soul. And we just started, we're on week, uh, we're finishing the second week and I just love it. I'm just really, really excited, um, to have that, uh, to, to have started it because it was a little bit scary. You know, it's out of my comfort zone, but I, I will definitely be doing a lot more of that. So if, uh, if people would like to be in, in small groups, like, uh, six to eight women, uh, so we have that really, Um, we really get to know each other and have that, that community support and, um, a lot of interaction. Uh, yeah. So if you are interested in something like that, you can, uh, join my Facebook group. It's called the Radicata Nutrition Community. And that's where I share those details. And that's where, like, the free mini course I talked about, it was live in the Facebook group. And now I have it on the website. But if you want to be, you know have the the latest update and have the opportunity to watch uh things live as they come up and be the first to know that's the place to be so just uh search for radicata nutrition community and ask to join on facebook and i'll be happy to see you there so so yeah i'm really excited for for this new thing uh on the side of my business and then personal life uh, things are going pretty well it's the summer and it's just so beautiful here and I some of you may have seen that I've gotten a tattoo lately and <laughs> about the moon phases so it's 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 just um yeah it's just uh, a pretty uh a big uh, a big um I don't know how to say that right it's just uh, a lot of things happening this summer uh in my life in general, and, uh, it's all uh, positive and a lot of good transitions. And, uh, yeah, this tattoo, tattoo was kind of part of it to, to act as a reminder and, yeah I just find like I've been able to find myself a lot more and find my voice and uh, so that's kind of how I've been integrating all of that and putting a visual on my own body so I wouldn't
1: forget. (laughs) Yeah that's definitely a symbol of your new transition with life and in many different areas of your life so we lots more to talk about with you and your updates in the next podcast Uh but I think that's (laughs) teaser. That's a really fun transition. You talked about how you helped your body kind of detox Mm -hmm. from getting that tattoo on your Instagram page. So that's really interesting. If you're thinking about getting a tattoo, um, check that out.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, you're putting, of course, it's not the most natural thing to do. Uh, You know, certain colors with tattoos have more are more likely to have some heavy metals and those sort of things. Black is probably the the safest, but yeah, whatever you you decide to do, it might be a good idea to have some liver support and uh, kind of a gentle heavy metal uh, detox going on to just support your body as you know you put chemicals
1: into it. <laughs> yep, exactly. Detox, retox, detox, retox. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's
0: get started with the question. So as I said, we have two questions, uh, that usually we can, we can do that, but, uh, yeah, we need to, to stop talking, I guess, and start okay. answering. <laughs> so the first question is, how can you prepare your body for baby number two while still maintaining and boosting breast milk for
1: baby number one? So I'm sure you have lots of great insights for that stuff. I know we have two questions planned, but we'll see. I will try to get through this one <laughs> (laughs) quickly, but it's a good one. And I I wasn't sure how to interpret this question. I wasn't sure if she was currently pregnant with baby number Mm -hmm. two and still wanting to maintain her milk supply for her first baby or if she's not pregnant. So I'm going to go ahead and interpret it as she is pregnant because there's a lot more considerations when you are pregnant while still trying to nurse. I'm not sure how far along she is either or how old the nursing infant and toddler is, but I'll provide some general information that can be applied to various situations because I think this is a question that many of our listeners have, especially if they're doing an extended breastfeeding. I also want to preface this by saying that you can do all of the so-called right things and really take action to prevent your milk supply from dipping but sometimes nature takes over. I know I personally had a goal of nursing Otto until he was 2, but he made the decision to wean himself before then, and I think this is probably because I became pregnant. He was a uh, he loved nursing. He would nurse out of comfort, he would nurse out of hunger. He would nurse just because he wanted that closeness. So I don't think he would have weaned if I had not become pregnant. So it was pretty bittersweet, and especially because it happened on Mother's Day weekend of <laughs> all times to do it. Um, the other reason outside of, you know, the hormonal changes can be the milk composition changes, and that can steer... A nursing um, infant or toddler away when you're pregnant. So interestingly, the milk decreases in lactose and glucose, so it becomes less sweet. It also decreases in potassium and increases the sodium and protein. So as you can tell, if you're taking out the sugar, adding some salt, it's a different taste and a different composition than what the baby is used to. And These changes are seen in moms who are doing gradual weaning that aren't pregnant and in moms who are pregnant, even if their baby is nursing quite frequently. So it does stem from the hormonal changes of pregnancy. This tends to happen around the second trimester is when a lot of infants or toddlers will naturally self-wean when mom is pregnant. But if they don't, do it around that time. Around months 4 to 8 of your pregnancy, colostrum production begins. And the flavor and composition is going to change at that time as well. So it could happen any time throughout your pregnancy. It could happen even during your first trimester. It just depends on the baby. Um, I think a lot of people are concerned when I say something like that your colostrum production begins that... That means your baby number two or baby number three or the baby that you're currently growing isn't going to get the colostrum, and that's not true. They're not going to use up all the colostrum because your body is going to continue to produce it throughout the remainder of your pregnancy. But The one caveat I would say is that the moms that I've worked with who have done extended breastfeeding while pregnant, they do notice around the time that their colostrum production begins, their nursing infant or toddler will have some laxative effects from that colostrum just like what happens after your baby's born and they have the colostrum it helps get the meconium out it helps with the stools but if if you're currently producing that and your toddler's getting all those nutrients in your milk they may also have those laxative effects so just a heads up for that um in addition to the changes in the flavor and composition the supply will decrease and that can push or urge some children to self-wean because they don't like this lower flow they might be frustrated by that Um, some kids will go the opposite and they'll nurse more and more and more and increase that frequency because they still want that milk and they still want that comfort so it doesn't bother them as much and they may continue with that nursing relationship versus a toddler that's frustrated or infant that's frustrated by the slow milk supply and then just stops so lots of things going on here. Of course, there's a hormonal changes, and this has to do with your progesterone levels increasing, which can naturally decrease the amount of milk that's stored in your breast. And that makes sense because right after delivery, we know that progesterone levels will drop off in order for prolactin to rise. Prolactin, as you may know, is the hormone that promotes milk production and it helps increase storage capacity. So even though there may be a ton of supply and demand aspects, your, your infant or toddler is nursing more while you're pregnant, sometimes the hormonal influences will win. So does that all make sense? It does make a lot of sense. I'm learning a lot too. <laughs> good, good. Okay, so there are considerations for this. So I kind of talked about the background of why you may experience milk supply dips and flavor changes. The considerations, so what can you do to maintain your supply? Make sure you're eating enough calories. This is obvious, but it's really going to depend on the stage of your pregnancy or the stage of nursing. So obviously, if your baby that's currently nursing is younger, they're going to be nursing more frequently, and the amount of calories that your body needs to produce the milk is going to be higher than if maybe you have a toddler nursing once a day or twice a day. It's you know during your pregnancy you don't really need extra calories during that first trimester but in your second and third trimester you may need 300 to 450 500 more calories a day add that on top of what your body needs to produce milk and you're definitely going to need to be eating quite frequently to get the calories in or much larger meals the other thing to consider is if you're in your first trimester of pregnancy while you may need less calories What's going on? You might have a ton of food aversions. You may not be able to eat as much as possible. You may be nauseous all the time. So you've got to be very aware of that and take steps like maybe having a full fat coconut milk smoothie or um, having foods that you tolerate. Maybe they're not the most perfect foods, but it's what you can eat at the time. You need to make sure you're getting enough. Well, in the third trimester, you need more calories overall. And You have less aversions, you still need to be considerate of the amount of calories you're eating. Hydration, super important. So if you think about pregnancy, you need to increase your fluid intake more than you would if you weren't pregnant to support amniotic fluid development. But if you're nursing, again, everything increases. Your total calories, your total hydration, your total nutrient concentration in the foods that you're eating is going to increase. So Make sure you're on that prenatal. Make sure you're drinking enough. Make sure you're getting enough calories. In addition to that, we want to check to make sure your adrenals, your thyroid, your blood sugar level, all of those things are under control and balance. We know your adrenals and thyroid can take a hit with having an infant or toddler around. You may be eating infrequent meals or not eating meals with a well a balance of protein, fat, and carbs. So we know blood sugar issues can cause low milk supply, adrenals if you're stressed out all the time, if you have postpartum thyroiditis or Hashimoto's or hypothyroidism, that can all impact your milk supply. So we got to make sure you're getting tested and working with a provider that can help you with that. Now, if you aren't pregnant um, and you're nursing, a lot of times galactagogues can help if you have gotten all your ducks in a row and you feel like you're eating and drinking and taking care of yourself and your body's healthy, but you're still suffering with um, supply. Obviously, supply and demand is really huge here, but galactagogues are often recommended. But here's the thing. A lot of the galactagogues are contraindicated if you are pregnant. One of them being fenugreek. You probably have heard about fenugreek if you've heard about galactagogues with nursing. But fenugreek may cause uterine contractions or miscarriage. Same thing with some of the other more common galactagogues, like goat's rue, fennel, and blessed thistle. So you've got to be careful for things like mother's milk tea or some of the other popular supplement blends that contain the galactagogues. You can talk to your provider about some of the more mild galactagogues, like nettle, dill, or marshmallow. But again, you just got to be very careful when you're taking any kind of supplement during pregnancy, especially if it is for milk production um, increase. Above all else, just make sure you're resting, make sure your stress is under control as much as possible, make sure you're staying hydrated and you're getting the nutrients in, and then follow your baby's lead. Those are all the most important pieces. And then always give yourself grace and compassion should your little one decide it's time to wean before you're ready. It can be very hard. For you, it can be very hard for them. Um, but this is a period where you've just got to really give yourself compassion, give yourself a pat on the bat for nursing as long as you did, and let nature take its course. Yeah, so yeah, weaning is not uh it
0: it brings a lot of uh mixed feelings and I'm I'm right there uh right now with my son and I, I'm not pregnant and he's almost three, but it's still uh, yeah, a little bit of sadness, but also a little bit of uh, happy to be a bit more independent, although it was definitely not as uh, as intense as in the first year. But yeah, it brings up a lot of mixed feelings.
1: Yeah, I remember when Otto decided he wanted to start weaning. It actually created a significant amount of depression in my body, so much so that I did a little bit of research and found that during times of weaning, you have... Hormonal changes that can make you more prone to postpartum mood and anxiety disorders, similar to what you would experience in the immediate postpartum period a year or before. So, a lot of people think that postpartum mood and anxiety disorders are only during that first year, but they can pop up at any time, especially with significant hormonal changes like weaning. So, it's important that you make sure you're getting you're not just brushing it off if you are noticing more than just a little bit of sadness talking with somebody working with somebody and you need to get taken care of too mama
0: Definitely. Oh, wow. So that is so
1: interesting. Those hormones, they can
0: just do so much in our body, right? It's crazy. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And one thing influences the other. So I, if I heard the saying before that hormones are like a family, they function together and they dysfunction <laughs> together. I wait to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yes okay should we move on to number two or did you have anything no you to i do i there's nothing else
0: i can say to that yeah that's that's i feel i feel like this is complete
1: <laughs> excellent okay we'll get to a question i know you'll love to answer when i saw this question i was like this is gonna be a great one for egli so the question is, is there a happy medium between wanting to get your body back after a baby and being happy with where you are right mm-hmm. now? I love that question and I love that she,
0: she's not um, falling into the trap of, uh, she, knows, she seems to know, like her intuition is telling her that, you know, getting your body back uh, after having a baby is not necessarily the best option, but then... Uh, she still doesn't know exactly uh, what that could mean uh, and what where that happy medium would be. So, yes, I definitely do think that there is uh, a happy medium, a little a happy place that we can find in there. I mean, personally, if I had a big magic wand, I would erase expressions like getting your body back or getting back into shape or getting your pre-baby body... Um, you know getting rid of the baby fat and all of that focus on 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 the body after you just had a baby I mean what does that even mean getting your body back I mean you still have your body you've had your body all along it didn't go anywhere our body is <laughs> never the same from one day to the other even like it's and I think that it's pretty rare that a woman is able to naturally keep the same body she had at eighteen for the rest of her life and and that's completely fine because that's that's the beauty of being human. our body changes with time and um uh, and of course it is not the most uh easy thing to accept living in the society that we live in today where there's so much pressure to. Look a certain way, be a certain size, and not age, which are all things that we don't have that much uh, control over in the end. So, yeah, I would like to ask like the listeners that are wondering about, you know, and, and just feeling unhappy in their body and feeling that that desire to to change the way their body look like. It, Uh, do you think that all of these messages that we see about getting our baby, our body back, is this really about your health? And I know that a lot of women um, uses, uh, try to say that they want to lose weight, but they use uh, the, you know, they say that it's because they want to get healthier, that they want to lose weight, but really one doesn't lead to the other. Um, They're completely separate things. And, there are now you know studies showing that health is not associated with any bmi or body mass index It can be healthy at any size you are so so all of that pressure for women to look a certain way and lose weight after having a baby is really not about helping women to be healthier because if it was it would it would not be that way we wouldn't have all of these Crazy programs where uh, calories are restricted, where exercise is just completely uh, crazy, intense amount of exercise that is not really uh, a good match for when you're in a sleep-deprived state and your body just had a baby, so... I think that, uh, all of these, this pressure is, uh, we can feel it in the postpartum period after we had a baby because our body has changed so much, uh, but it happens at all stages of our life and a lot of, you know, if we look at where all of these messages come from, they come from, usually like a lot of big companies that are driven by by money they don't necessarily have your health uh, at heart although they may use that as an incentive and something to to convince you to buy their different products and books and shakes and supplements and pills and potions and uh all of these things and creams and and whatnot but in the end it's it's not uh, they don't necessarily have your best interest at heart and I just want you to know, you just had a baby. Your body has done something completely amazing. It's it's a miracle what the female body can do. Um, and I think that when we immediately, like the you know after you had a baby, so what are you going to do to get your body back? I think it's completely um, minimizing uh, the strength and power and. And magic, uh, that the female body has to build a human being inside of your whole body and then, and then, uh, allow it to enter the world in whatever ways it, it, it it can. And it's and we kind of dismiss that and of course you know some people acknowledge it but very briefly and then we start thinking about oh but you know you did that amazing thing but you have a little bit of fat here and you have some stretch marks here and i just find that completely crazy um i've worked with many many different moms uh whether they're new moms or they've been mom for uh some time and uh, a lot of them tell me that they felt that because of that constant pressure of losing weight or looking a certain way they they feel like they weren't able to be fully present with their baby uh, and young child um some of them like even like right after giving birth like still uh in the hospital, meaning their baby for the first time, some of the first thoughts that came to their mind is, okay, now what do I do with this body? How do I get my body back? Uh, when can I start cutting calories or exercising more or whatever it is? So I, I, many of these women that I work with um, find that sad uh, when they look back that this whole external pressure from society has robbed them from those really precious moments uh with their baby of course not a hundred percent i know they were still there and doing uh, an amazing job as a mom but you know what if uh they didn't put so much time and uh, energy and resources thinking about well, trying to meet those expectations from society about getting their body back after giving birth to a baby and all of that so you know this is nothing about them if it's you that's completely fine i'm not judging you it's just we all have those imprints from since we were very little uh i've had those uh, times also during my my postpartum uh, sorry postpartum period where i i felt really at a loss with what to do my with my body and prior to that um were many, many years of my life where I was so focused in trying to lose weight and trying to control the way my body looked and what researching different ways to tweak my nutrition and exercise. And really, I think that a lot of us in the end are fighting against our body instead of really taking care of a body in a loving way so you know going back to that question is there a happy medium between wanting to get your body back after a baby and being happy where you are I think that when we look at the first option getting your body back um, to me that that you know there's a quote that says we can be motivated by two things basically if we distill it down we can be motivated by fear or by love. And to me, the getting your body back, there's all that pressure and those external ways to measure and assess uh, not only your success in getting your body back, but all the, the how and the process and measuring calories and burnt and eaten and macros and all of that. That that seems to me, it feels like it's more driven by fear. Um, more than love. And then being happy where you are, well, it starts uh, feeling like it's coming more from a place of love. But I know that for many women, it's a big stretch to, to go from that previous mentality of Of wanting to to meet certain uh, standards of beauty, wanting our body to comply and look a certain way, uh, to uh, going to the other uh, side of the spectrum where we're totally happy with our body. So that's a big jump, and you don't need to make that jump. But the little step that you can take towards that happy medium, where that would you would feel good is maybe making sure that not maybe but making looking at the motivation between the behind the things that you do to take care of your body. So are you um, changing your meals? in a way, um, you know, maybe you're trying to eat more veggies or more proteins, more healthy fats, just be more careful with the sugar. Those are totally fine. But again, it can come from two different underlying motivation. If it comes from fear, and it's because you're, you really hate your body, and you want to punish your body because it's, you know, has too much baby fat and all of that, or whether it's because you do it more from a motivation that is based on on love, and because you know that you feel so much better when you eat this way, you want to take good care of your body. You know that you're you're you are a bit more energized, despite feeling very tired from having a baby. But that helps you get through the day, and that helps you think more clearly and not being in a brain fog and not feeling as bloated and all of these things. So again, the same action, the same behaviors can come from two very different reasons and uh, motivation and I think that's 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 how we can start finding that happy medium uh, that works for you so and I, I would just challenge you like many of you listening you may be able to think of a time in your past Maybe a distant past, maybe not so distant, where you feel like you were at a lower weight or that your body was a bit closer to what uh, the media and society tells us the body of a healthy woman should look like. And think about that time. And were you really happier or healthier? I think that sometimes we can put a lot of, you know, use our pink glasses when we look back at those times in our life. But if you're really honest uh, with yourself, were you really happier? Like personally, when I think, you know, remember a a few specific times where I was finally reaching that number of the scale where I thought that everything would, you know, would be uh, unicorns and rainbows and perfect and magical. But I really felt like I don't know, um, we're trying to keep this podcast
1: uh, <laughs> friendly. I, I but can't I, tell you're passionate about this at all. I
0: feel so good. <laughs> I felt pretty miserable. I felt consumed. I feel like all of my life was focused around the calories and, and calories out and food and measuring my body and, and looking at myself in the mirror and beating myself up and... So when you look at the whole picture, was it? Is it really what you want? Is it really what you want? And there's a really good movie that came up, um, was released recently on Netflix called Embrace. Uh, and that's about a mom of three. And all, all of that basically uh, after having her three kids, she didn't feel good in her body and she did it all. Like she became, um, uh, how do you call them? Like uh, people doing competition um yeah bigger yeah competitions like, like, uh, or figure mm-hmm. competitors and she she did it she had like that quote-unquote perfect body but she felt really she, she didn't feel good at all and there's uh you might have seen her picture on um facebook it was shared quite a lot with the before and hap- the before and after picture where in the before picture she had that figure Uh, competition uh, body, uh, quote-unquote perfect body, like sculpted and everything, very, very low fat. And then in the after picture, she had the body of what we would consider like an average normal woman. And that's where she's really uh, feeling comfortable in her body. So that really shows the extreme. And in the documentary, Embrace, um, it's pretty, I mean watch that I'm sure you'll have chills and you'll feel like you're not alone struggling with all of that and I think it it will open your eyes to a different perspective and of course we cannot really change the society and all of that pressure that comes from outside but if we all start like a a little army of women uh, wanting to care in our body from a place of love of wanting to feel good and Feeling healthier, rather, so more based on those internal uh, motivation and internal um, outcomes, rather than the external motivation and outcomes that comes more from fear. Then I think that we can start changing the way our crazy world is right now one woman at a time but okay so i know i'm talking a ton here and this is definitely something i am passionate about and uh sorry for the rant but i'll try to give you five concrete <laughs> tips something really practical besides watching the documentary embrace that can help you find that happy medium so first one, first step would be to be gentle with yourself and with your body. I think I've mentioned that for many of us, we can treat our body like the enemy. We we stress out about the way we look and that can only, and you know, we stress that not on we stress out not only about the way we look, but, but about what we put in our body and the calories and this and that. And, oh, we haven't worked out today, so we feel bad about all of these things. And that only backfires because even on the physiological level, this causes more cortisol, which make that whole, you know, wanting your body to work a certain way, uh, not so easy. Uh, it can affect the gut brain axis and, and your digestion and how you can absorb those nutrients. It can contribute to adrenal fatigue if you're in a chronic state of stress and chronically dieting. And it can cause a lot of self sabotage, um, because we go from that cycle of restricting and then overeating and restricting and overeating uh, because we, we end up sabotaging ourselves um, in those different ways when we feel like our body is not behaving the way we want it to. But if we start treating our body like like we would treat the body of our own child. like I think that's a good way to try to, I think being a mom is actually the best way for me to, to that has helped me to see how what it means to treat our body from a place of love because if you think of your baby you know would you tell your bu- your baby exactly how many calories you need to eat and that's it and that's that and you need to move this amount of time and whatever no you want your baby to learn how to listen to her or his own body and I know this is something that may seem really far stretched but one little step at a time by trying to reconnect and trust your body and making not making it the enemy and being very gentle with yourself in the process you can you can get there and find that happy place the second tip would be get rid of your scale or at least don't step on it every single day if you can minimize the amount of time you spend on the scale uh that includes measuring tapes but because for a long period of time i would say i'm not using a scale but i would still use measuring tapes. so (laughs) that was not Mm -hmm. really helpful uh so just know that the scale doesn't say anything about your health uh it doesn't say anything about how amazing you are as a mother and as a woman um Yeah, the skill is just messing up with our head and we tend to give way too much power to a chunk of metal with a random number that really doesn't take into account so many different variables and it's just, it's just not useful. It's, it's, yeah, if, again, if I had my magic wand, I would, I would delete and uh, remove all of those skills uh, that we all have in our homes. Uh third tip would be to do a detox, but <laughs> nothing to do with food. It would be a social media detox. Clean up your news feed uh again, we are exposed to the image of uh so you know like quote unquote perfect bodies, and we see other people working out and eating those those perfectly clean meals uh, all the time and that's what we have on our feed, and that puts a lot of pressure on us. That's what make us compare ourselves to one another. And and usually, I don't know about you, but when that used to be what my newsfeed was all about on Instagram or Facebook, I usually didn't feel really good. Uh, I wouldn't feel really good after looking at that. So you have the power to unfollow the people. If you notice that, oh, that never really makes me feel good and empowered and inspired. It makes me feel discouraged and small and weak and like a failure, then unfollow that person. And I'll link to a few uh, Instagram accounts that I really like that show more body diversity because we need to rewire our brain we're so used to looking at one you know just a few very specific body types but there's a whole array of different body types that are healthy and strong and bodies of real women so a few examples is uh the fourth try bodies uh that's an instagram account a lot of bodies of women um postpartum whether it's you know a few months or years after having their babies the body image movement is another one the w no sorry the ybi coalition that stands for yoga body I I'm not sure what the I is for, and then coalition. Uh, there's also my friend uh, Summer NNN. She was on one of our podcasts. She's a body image coach, and she she uh, reposts a lot of different pictures of women having, uh, helping, helping other women know what body diversity and, and is all about. So that's always really inspiring. And also even Ashley Graham, uh, she's a model. I think her Instagram account is the the Ashley Graham and uh, she, she has lots of curves and it's just a way to rewire our brain oh my god yeah it does but that you know bodies like that look beautiful too and there is not only one way that we can look and beauty is not really necessarily about having a specific body type but it's more about that confidence and that glow and knowing who we are I think that that gives us a lot more um I it just it just radiates from inside out when we we approach things from that perspective. Uh so I said I had five tips. Okay, sorry. Fourth tip is shift your focus to self-care and what feels good to your body. So again, instead of having those external guidelines and rules, let's talk more about Let's reconnect to what's really going on inside of you, the things that help you feel good, that helps you feel healthy and strong. Um, and, and having you know you have the control over that. Of course, it may need some tweaking, but you'll discover with time, if you really look at your own body and how it responds, it will become clearer to you what you need to do and eat and how to care of your body from a place of love to to feel the way you want to feel and your body will just do what it will do Uh, for some people they they may lose weight for some people they may gain weight some people may stay at the same weight so basically you know it might sound scary when you don't know what's going to happen with your weight but it's only one of these three things that can happen so it's not it's usually um not uh, a a dramatic shift in that area uh so that includes you know the foods, the way you move uh how you sleep, and uh, the time you spend for yourself, so your me time. So if you can uh, include something in each of these four areas for your self-care, the the foods you eat, the movement you do, uh, how much sleep you're getting, and uh, having a certain amount of me time, even if it's just five minutes a day or even half an hour a week, then that's all part of your self-care and helping you... Reconnect with your body and do the things that feels good to you. And then the fifth tip uh, would be think of where you want to focus your energy. You know, what do you want to do with your time and energy? Those are all limited resources, especially when you're a mom. And think of yourself uh, maybe in five years, 10 years or 20 years. Think of yourself, you know, at, at those stages in your life and looking back where you are right now. You know, what would you make what would you make what would make you the happiest and the most proud of if you're looking back and what you're how you're using this period in your life right now it's kind of a big question but i bet that it would probably not be focusing on 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 your body so much and you're really appreciating this really special time in your life where you have a tiny human being uh growing and and flourishing right in front of your eyes and then doing things that passionate passionate that 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 you're passionate about and yeah so this is maybe some food for thoughts more than specific uh, answers but i hope this is helpful and i think i'm going to stop talking because i need to drink
1: (laughs) I knew this was going to be long. I love it. Those are five really great tips for for things to think about. And yeah, they have a lot of options there. And I guess I'll give a shorter spiel (laughs) because we've talked about this in in bulk, but I'll just sum it up by saying I am a firm believer that you can appreciate and accept where you are now while still having goals for the future. I think the weight loss, body love issue, especially for new moms, is a tricky area to discuss because there's often extremes. There's people that will shout from the rooftops that you should love every perceived flaw that you have, love every part of your body, don't even think about weight loss or body image during postpartum. And then there's people that want to jump back into their fitness and their diet of choice as fast as possible postpartum to lose the baby weight. You know, I've worked with moms who were in the hospital and they were planning their meals, their meal prep for their next diet while recovering. So it can definitely go to extremes either way. And there is certainly a happy medium between those two sides. I tend to fall in the middle of myself. I absolutely love and appreciate what my body did. It created a human being, two of them. It fed two human beings. Um, but I still think there's areas that I want to improve, so I feel more confident. I feel more like myself again. I, I feel lighter, and that's okay. Don't try to beat myself up for feeling that way, but I did at one point because I felt like I should love who I was, love every, like I said, perceived flaw or imperfection, if you want to say, but I think it's totally normal. In fact, I have worked with women who are almost nervous to tell me about their aesthetic goals because the pressure to love every single piece of them is so strong. They feel like they should just be happy with where they're at or feel like it's selfish for them to want body, body composition changes. And with these women, it's not like they necessarily want to be a size zero or something unrealistic for their body. They just want to feel more confident. They want to feel sexy. They want to feel lighter. And, of course, you can feel confident and sexy at any size. But if a woman wants to change her aesthetics in a healthy way that doesn't influence her her health for the negative or impact her relationship with her baby or cause her to only focus on that one thing. It's her decision and nobody should make her feel less than or not a good mom for doing so. I think it's also really important to emphasize that if you want body composition changes, you have to start from a place of respect and self-love versus shame or body hate. You can't hate your way skinny. And it's okay to see areas where you'd like improvement, but mentally I always want the woman to give thanks to her body for what it's done. Give herself grace for the bumpy road with all of its challenges and come to these body composition changes from a place of compassion. Also setting the understanding ahead of time that it's going to be harder than it was to previously for her due to lack of time, lack of sleep, lack of self-care, lack of ability to go to the gym, hormonal disruptions, emotional eating, all of these things to see the changes that she wants. And to expect setbacks instead of thinking this is going to be a linear road and she's going to just fly and have these composition changes happen overnight. So it just... In summary, if you're postpartum and you want to lose weight or you want to see body composition, that's totally fine. You have every right to work towards aesthetic goals in a healthy, sustainable way. You're no less of a mom. You're not being selfish. You're just working towards a goal like you would at any other stage of your life. I just would recommend, like you mentioned, not to use a term getting your body back or use the word mom bod or any of these negative phrases. Your body has changed because you've grown a human and that's beautiful. And some women would kill for that experience. So... That is just what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'll yes. stop there. That's
0: really, but good. that's yeah, no, exactly. my take on this issue. to make anyone feel guilty for wanting to have to for having certain goals. That's that's you know that's that's not the problem. But it's really about thing uh, doing it in a more uh, in a very gentle way and in a way where you are also willing to, to learn more and, and uh, co-create something with your own body and, and trusting your body a little bit more in the process. I think that, that that's totally a, a different approach.
1: Awesome. Yay. All
0: right. I think that's yes, it for that's today. Too long we covered enough. We <laughs> <laughs> We made it through the two questions, but that's, yeah, the limit we can reach. <laughs> All right. Well, have a good rest of your day and an amazing, uh, an amazing uh, rest of your summer. Bye. So this is it. Please remember that the views on this podcast and website are not meant to be substituted for medical advice, shouldn't be used to diagnose, treat, or cure any conditions, and are intended for general information
1: purposes only. And thank you for listening to Real Food Mamas. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast to help us spread the real food word. We also invite you to visit our website, realfoodmamaspodcast.com, and our new Facebook page, Real Food Mamas, to find past episodes, leave comments, and ask questions for future shows. Remember, we're also on iTunes and Stitcher. Now go on, have a good day, and nourish and nurture you and your family.